This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs is in his 41st year as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. I wanted to tell you what a great service you provide to this community. I listen to your show every week. Thank you for what you do for our community, for all the parents, coaches, and athletes. And now, here's your host, rated one of the best therapists in Kansas City, Missouri, by OnlineTherapy.com, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here on Sports Radio 810 WHB here in Kansas City. I'm here every Sunday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. as we delve into the world of sports psychology about your mind, your attitude, how you handle pressure, how you deal with stress, how you perform as an athlete, as a coach, as a fan. As you know, I'm very passionate about youth sports. It's one of the big areas we talk about on this show a lot. And since we talk about youth sports, I am going to share something this morning. And, you know, I've been on the radio here 32 years in Kansas City, last 22 here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. I have talked about a lot of personal things. So not that many, but a lot of personal things in my life. But uh, the last personal thing I shared was last November when my mother passed away. But, you know, in life, things change. Things move on. And yesterday afternoon, I became a grandfather. So it's just one of those things in life that I can't tell you how happy it makes my wife and I feel. Elizabeth is extremely excited about it. It's her 15th grandchild. My first. But uh, what an exciting time for my son and daughter-in-law and, and my daughter-in-law's family to have a little girl uh, in our family now who I'll watch grow up and enjoy just being a grandfather. So anyway, as I start the show, I wanted to share that since I do share some personal things once in a while. And, you know, you move on in life and things change and things happen and sometimes bad. But this is one of those wonderful moments you can't, you know, just when we went in and saw her for the first time yesterday, I can't tell you just the feeling that came through my body. It just was so exciting. Anyway, on top of that, my best friend's son got married yesterday, so that was like right about the same time she was born. So what a wonderful day. Anyway, I'm here every Sunday. We talk about mindsets, attitudes, sports psychology. And I want to talk about something today that uh, happens to all of us. Unfortunately, it happens to all of us. It's called choking. And I've had a few people say, Doc, when are you, you going to talk about choking on your show? Because I do it all the time. And I'm like, well, why do you do it all the time? Well, because I, I want to win so bad. I mean, it's just, I'm so hungry about winning. And then I just, I get ahead. 
and then I start thinking about if I make this putt or I hit this serve or I strike this guy out, man, I'm going to win. And then before you know it, I don't do those things, and then everything falls apart. You know, choking is something we all dealt with. I know I dealt with it a lot when I played tennis. If I knew the things I know now about being a sports psychologist, I would have been a heck of a lot better tennis player. So, why do we choke? What is that about? It's about pressure. It's about focusing on results. It's about concentrating on the score. It's about concentrating on winning or not losing. And it's something we all do. But there are certain people who just don't do it. If you're a very successful field goal kicker in the NFL, you have at some point in your life missed a kick. But if you're a choker, you'll miss another and another. If you're not a choker, you'll move on. I mean, two great examples of that are Brett Maher, who's now kicking with the Rams, last year with the Cowboys. If many of you remember, there's a Monday night game where he missed four extra points. One may have been a field goal, but he missed four kicks in a row. I've never seen anybody do that. And, And you know it got in his head. Definitely got in his head. So he had to be thinking about, I better not miss this, and then he just shanked it. And then shanked, hit the upright. I think the first one hit the upright, uh, shanked the next one. Another one hit the upright and shanked the last one. It just, he lost it mentally. Because I, I could almost, even though I haven't talked to him, but I listened to some interviews and things afterwards, he definitely was thinking about not missing. If you've played tennis before, you're up in the third set, five to two, five to three. And you start thinking about, I can't lose. All of a sudden, you're going to be down six to five. And the difference there compared to, say, a great kicker is that a great kicker will overcome the miss. Like here in Kansas City, we have Harrison Butker, who against Buffalo in the playoffs a year and a half ago, Halftime missed a 50-yarder at the end of the game, made a 49-yarder. After the game in his interview, he was talking about, you know, just focusing on executing the kick. He wasn't even thinking about the missed one. The missed one, he looked at why he missed it and made an adjustment. He didn't stress about it. He made an adjustment. That That's one of the reasons I think he's so good, is that when you have someone like that. I mean, last week, Matt Gay for the Colts kicked five field goals, I think three or four over 50 yards, including one at the end of the game in the rain in Baltimore. I mean, you don't do that if you're thinking about missing. So Cavell, my producer, I know will have a story about when he's choked playing sports. I know he's smiling at me through the glass here. I know you've, I know you've choked before. Not on food. Not on food. Maybe on food too, but but in sports, I'm sure you have. It was scary. One time in seventh grade. I was eating a grape. That was another kind of choke. Oh, we but, won't talk about that one. All right. Well, so choke. Like, I, I actually like to say I don't have too many choke stories. I am, you know, Mr. Clutch, as they call me. All right. Not, not a lot of people call me that. But I guess it was a time you can call it a choke. I was, I think I was a freshman. And I was practicing with the varsity receivers, with the varsity squad. 
with the starters because receiver got hurt or something like that. And, like, I went in there, ran a route. It was a nice route. Turned my guy around, and I was wide open. The ball came to me. So in that moment, I was like, I'm wide open. I got to catch this ball. I have to prove to these coaches I should be out here. Um, and? And I think these shoes are a little bit too big right now. <laughs> and the ball came, hit both my hands, then my chest, then my my thighs, and then it just hit the ground. So Why? Because I was thinking about all those things. I really did think my shoes were a little bit too big. And I thought I should. Why would you think your shoes are too big when the ball's coming to you? Well, because that's my brain. Just it throws things at you. But that's what you have to. I had to learn. I had to train my brain to where I don't choke. Because if you let your brain just take over with the thoughts, because once again, I was trying to prove that I could get open. I was a 135 pound freshman, but I could get open. And then I was a 135 pound pound freshman I on got the taken bench out. on the I got, bench i got taken out after that rep right you're a 135 pound freshman on the bench with with no hands essentially because my one shot when i was wide open and i think uh i heard one of the coaches he didn't even say it to me he said that boy fast but he can't catch a cold and i was like wow one play okay so let me ask you a question mm-hmm. what happened the next time a pass was thrown to you oh i oh i caught i caught the ball i made sure okay I'm why gonna, why because see, here's the here's the the question. You you dropped that one, mm-hmm. but you didn't drop the next one because obviously you weren't thinking about I better not drop it, or maybe the thought was I better not drop it. So what I need to do to catch it? Yeah, like really, it was just do what you do. That's what I was. Just do what you do. The ball comes to you, just catch it. Rather than that other pass, I was like, I gotta catch it. You know, I may start this year if I catch this ball. I put in that split second of the ball coming to me, I had so many thoughts on my mind. And I think, but like, but that's what comes to choking, you know, like um, in the NFL, NBA, free throws. You know, you have situations where you have, you have to make two free throws. You're down by one. If you miss the first one, it could be tied. If you miss both of them, you lose the game. So if you're thinking about, Oh, man, I'm not good at shooting free throws. Oh, coach really doesn't like me. If I miss these, he's going to take me out. So I think that's what separates clutch from non-clutch. Well, years ago, when I worked with KU's teams, I was KU's first sports psychologist back in the early 80s. And in the in the, in the 90s, Coach Marion Washington, the women's basketball coach, had me come back and work with the women's team. There was a young lady on the team, I won't mention her name, but she worried about missing free throws. So we started working on it. And we worked on visualization. We worked on breathing. And it worked. In fact, when I worked with the KU basketball team, Calvin Thompson set the Big 8 record for it was either 31 or 32 free throws in a row. Oh, really? And because he had this our breathing and focusing technique. So this this young lady, before the game, we, we went out, out and shot some free throws. She goes, okay, Doc. She goes, let me see how many you can make, how many can I can make. I made, I made 7 out of 10. She made 9 out of 10. I said, okay. And the one she missed just bounced off the back of the rim. I said, all right. So just in the game, same thing. Breathe. You know, step behind the line, top of the key, visualize the shot, take a breath, step up to the line, bounce ball a couple times, exhale and shoot it. Visualize it, shoot it. So ironically, the game is down to the end. We're down by one point. She gets fouled with like a tenth of a second left shooting foul 
the other team calls timeout. She comes over to the bench, looked at me, and I said, same thing. She goes, right, yes, sir. And I said, yes, sir. And she went out there, visualized top of the key, went up to the line, took her breath, exhaled, shot it, swished it. They called timeout again. Game's tied. Shot the icer. Comes out, swishes the next one, and win the game. All right. And afterwards, she told me, she said, it, it, it's what you told me. I, I visualized, I relaxed, I breathed, and I shot it. What she was not thinking about was missing it. What she was not thinking about was making a mistake. Was not thinking about the negative stuff. Mm-hmm. I think you know when when you choke under pressure. More often than not, not always, but more often than not, it's because you're overthinking, and then you start thinking about the negatives and you think about failing, missing, screwing up, which we're all going to do. It's 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 part of life. And I think there's different levels of choking. So, like, you know, uh, if I can tell, I have another, I have an example of free throws, free throw situation. Uh, my brother, he was in his freshman year of Juco ball, played for Cowley, and they were 6-0 and or something like that. You're they talking had, about Cowley Community College. Cowley Community yeah, College. Out in Kansas. I guess I should emphasize that, Cowley. And it was a tough game. It was probably the toughest, you know, that, that was the toughest game they've played so far, and it was like a rivalry, and I think it was late in the game. And my brother was at the free throw line. I think he had two or three or something like that. And he needed to hit just one of them. And he missed both of them. My brother's a 90% free throw shooter. But he missed both of them. And, you know, the coach actually pulled him out the game after that and said, what did he say? But I, but I love this guy to this day. What did he say? He said, somebody get me a blanking F, uh, point guard. 90% free throws my A. But so, but they ended up losing the game. But I told my brother, that's good to be in that situation, to be dependent on in that situation. You just have to be ready for it to come back again. Because I think choking sometimes is just you're not prepared for that moment. And then when you get in that moment again, you'll be prepared. Well, right now the Ryder Cup's going on. The United States is, is getting destroyed by Europe in that. Yeah. And a lot of people are going to say the U.S. choked. Mm-hmm. There are questions about who made the team, but that's another issue. But, yeah. you know, if the U.S. does lose and loses by a large margin, I guarantee you there will be people saying the U.S. choked. Why? Like they said, the basketball team choked. Well, it, 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 it's because I it, – uh, look, you can lose because you're not as talented as the other team. You can lose because the other team is just better. That's one thing. But if, if you're ahead or you have a situation to succeed and it, it becomes all mental – that's where the choking part comes in. So I, I like to open up our phone lines. Our phone number here is 913-3810-810. Let's say someone's brave enough to call in who has choked under pressure before playing sports. Why did that happen? What were you thinking or what were you not thinking? And did you overcome it? It could be playing baseball, tennis, swimming, archery, volleyball. doesn't matter. Soccer, football, basketball. Doesn't go, a golf? You know, I, I I play play golf with the, my friends fairly fre- frequently, and I have a putting contest with one of my friends on every hole. And uh, you know, that's one of the big things we we talk about is, and I always I always jest with him. Okay, don't don't clench up on this one. And he just looks at me. He goes, "You can't use your psychology on me. I'm not going to do that." He's a very bright guy, and he doesn't because he he. He does the visualization and focusing and does pretty good. 
But I'd love to hear from you at, at 913-3810-810. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. The topic today is choking. Have you played sports and choked before? If you've coached a team, if you coach an individual athlete, and they've fallen apart under the pressure, why? Why do you think that happened? One of the big words that comes with that is expectations. Expectations of others, expectations of yourself, what people are thinking you're going to do, people think you're supposed to do. And then when you don't do it, you start to get uptight and tense physically and mentally. So I'd love to hear from you. If you're a coach, you're an athlete, you're a parent. If you've choked under pressure before, why? If you've coached a team before and that's happened, why? See if we got some people brave enough to call up and share what they've done. And how. And if they've overcome it, how do they do it? Which we'll talk about here in our next segment. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Our number is 913-3810-810. Give me a call and let's talk. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and this is the Sports Psychology Hour here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Hope you're having a wonderful Sunday morning. And um, talking about the topic of choking today. Have you choked under pressure? Do you know someone who's choked under pressure? Are you coaching a, a team where you've had that team or athlete choke under pressure? If you're a Kansas City sports fan... The greatest, most blatant example of choking ever was back in the playoffs in, I believe it's 1993, with a kicker named Len Elliott. The Chiefs made the decision to not re-sign Nick Lowry, which was very controversial at the time, and they replaced him with a guy named Len Elliott, who kicked for the Cowboys the previous year, and Chiefs had the playoffs home field advantage that year, and in the game against the Indianapolis Colts. Elliott missed all three of his kicks. I believe one was from 19 yards. One at the end of the game was from 42. I don't even think it made the end zone. And after the game, Al Wallace from Channel 4 was interviewing. I'll never forget this interview. And Al asked him, what were you thinking before the last kick? And he said, I was trying not to be negative. And that just blew me away, you know. You're trying not to be negative. Well, what are you going to be? And that's before people were accepting of mental barriers. Well, Nick Lowry had worked with me since 1985. He worked with me the last 11, 12 years he played. He's you know former co-host on this show. And he uh, and I worked together because he said, look, I've got it. This is something I want to work on. And he was very open-minded to it. And when he retired, he was the most accurate kicker in football and kicked more fiddles than anybody in football. That was in 96. And we he talked extensively on the show how our visualization exercises helped him because he would concentrate on executing the kick. Now, he didn't make every kick. He missed some. But, you know, everybody's going to miss some. But the key thing is he rarely missed more than two kicks in a row. I think there was only one time, the whole time I knew him, he missed three in over two consecutive games. And a lot of that was factored in because of the, the elements. But, you know, one was against the Cleveland Browns. The end of the game, Chiefs were driving, and it was in the old Cleveland Stadium where I, I remember when I worked with the Royals, we were there, and, and it was just so windy. That was called the mistake by the lake. He had a 43-yarder that he kicked, go straight towards the end zone, right at the goal line. The wind blew it to the right. There was offsides, so he got to re-kick from 38 yards. And he said, okay, the wind blew it to the right. I'm going to adjust. Well, that kick got blown to the left. 
And at the end of the game, he had to kick a 50-something yarder out of the infield, which was dirt, and that one didn't didn't make it. It really bothered him the rest of his career that that happened. But he learned from that and grew from that because that's, that's the key thing. I think the, the successful athletes, the ones who make it, are the ones who are able to look at that as a learning experience, growth experience, rather than something that tears them down. So I'd love to hear from you. If you are an athlete and you're brave enough to call the show and you've choked under pressure, I'd love to hear why. 913-3810-810 is the number. Why do you cho- why, why do people fall apart under pressure? A lot of it to me has to do with, you know, I talk about the four keys to success, preparation, focus, attitude, and confidence. Preparation is about how you get ready mentally, physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, and nutritionally. What are the things you do to get ready to go do what you're going to do. Maybe it's giving a speech. Maybe it's, it's, it's making a presentation in school. It doesn't have to be in sports. But one of, one of the cancers to choking that's connected to choking is overthinking. And oftentimes, Cavell, what I found is that a lot of the people who choke are smart people. It's because what do smart people do? They think. Overthink, usually. Overthink. And then overthinking will lead to inevitably worrying. And then when you start to worry, you start to get uptight. When you start to get uptight, that's when you fall apart under the pressure. You're thinking, I'm only a 62% free throw shooter, and I need to make both of these. So the odds are, and once you do that, you're already gone. You're already out of it. Well, right, because right there, you're focusing on results. And and as I've shared many times, I call foe versus four is one of the keys. Foe, foe is FOE, focus on effort or execution. FR is focusing on results. And if you're thinking about the results, thinking about the score, thinking about the numbers, then that happens. Years ago when I was a royal psychologist, and, and this is another great example of it, we had a pretty successful player on the team, and he was not hitting well. He was hitting about 230. And it was, I think it was about mid-June. And at, at batting practice, we're out there, and he comes out of the cage, and he looks at me, and I'll never forget this. He had his hat on backwards, wrap around sunglasses. Big, big dude, big guy, great guy. And he grabs me, Doc, Doc, I suck. I blank. I wasn't going to repeat what else he said or on the air. And he said, Doc, do you know what it's like to stand in that box and look at that scoreboard and see every statistic about yourself on the scoreboard? And my response was, no, I, I've never been in that box doing that. And he just looked at me. I said, look, let me ask you a question. Why are you looking at the scoreboard? He said, because there's every stat up there about how much I suck, quote unquote. And I said, aren't you supposed to be looking at the pitcher? And it was it was really funny because he just stopped cold and looked at me and got this big grin on his face. And and he just grabbed me. He says, that's why I love you, man. He goes, you're right. He goes, he gave me a big hug. He goes, I'm, I'm focusing on the scoreboard, not on the pitcher, because I'm so worried about how bad I, I'm playing. And I said, well, what? yeah, you're supposed to be focused on the pitcher. So, obviously. But still, you know, that scoreboard is right behind the pitcher's mound. You see everything up there. Sometimes you just need a reminder. Well, he went two for four in that game, drove in the winning run the eighth inning. And afterwards told me, he said, that, that made such a difference. And you're right. He said, you know, if, 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 I, if I can just get back to that. And, and he did, and he started getting better. I mean, I remember in 1990 when I worked the Royals, George Brett won his third batting title. 
he wasn't hitting well early in the year and he turned it around because he was able to concentrate on, on that as well. He talked about that and very, very publicly talked about that. And, it, you know, it, it's so easy, you know, George Brett's the greatest baseball player to ever play in the city. And maybe Bobby Witt one day will, will overcome that. Who knows? But I watched how George would go about getting ready every day. I watched his mindset. You know, he was the epitome of what, what you should do because he focused on his effort and execution. And he realized earlier in that year he wasn't doing that, and he changed around. That's why he was able to – was batting, I think, 218 early in May, and he won the batting title last last bat of the year in Cleveland, got a single, and beat out Ricky Henderson by, you know, percentage – hundredth of a percentage point and won the batting title, his third batting title, third in three decades, because he was able to focus on his concentration. And that's that's the key thing. You know, if you if you play any sport – and you're thinking about the score. You're thinking about the results. You're not focusing on that execution. And another great example we all know about, and I want to get your thoughts on this. A few years ago, there was a playoff game here with the Chiefs against the Houston Texans. In a blink of an eye, Houston's up 24 nothing at the end of the first quarter. There was a blown coverage touchdown pass. Then there was a block punt, a fumble punt, both at the goal line and the field goal. Boom. Houston's up 24 to nothing. I remember my son, Jonathan, was like, Dad, man, he goes, this is this is not good, but there's still three quarters left to go. And I said, yeah, there are people booing. And I'm like, you know what? Let's." I, I remember saying, Patrick Mahomes is different. He hasn't had a chance to do anything. Well, boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden, halftime, 27-24 Chiefs. It was 41-24 before Houston scored again. Of course, we know the story. Chiefs went on to win the Super Bowl that year. But well, they won by 20 points or something. Well, they blew, blew the 49ers away at the end. I know I I was there. And and I don't think I've ever – my son, Jonathan, came with me, who's who's the new dad today. And um, I don't think I've ever been happier other than watching my sons be born. I was ever happier after a 50-year drought being a, a lifelong Chiefs fan. But – to, to emphasize the point there, I think that's what separates, you know, in addition to his incredible physical skills, and I've never met Patrick Mahomes, but his talent, his, his, his mental talent far and away is better than most other players because of his ability to focus and not worry, not worry about stuff. And so I think... If, if, if you want to succeed, you're going. I don't care what sport you play, you will fail. You will have bad days. You will make mistakes. You will miss kicks. You will drop passes. You will hit balls out of bounds. I, I remember years ago, I watched a swimmer. He was on world record pace in the 200 freestyle. And the last turn, he, met, he turned before the wall because he was so pumped up about how fast he was swimming. <laughs> He turned two strokes ahead of the wall and got disqualified. If he hadn't done that, he would have won, broken the world record because his strength was finishing kick. How you perform under pressure is something that I, I think, if you're a really good coach, I think you train your athletes in those situations in practice. You make them miss a kick or drop a ball or strike out and say, how are you going to come back on the next one? 
How do you overcome that? All right, our phone number is 913-3810-810. I'd love to hear from you. If you are an athlete and you've choked under pressure, you're brave enough to call up and share the story why. I'd love to hear from you. 913-3810-810. If you're a coach and your team fell apart under pressure, why? A lot of it to me has to do with mental preparation. And years ago, KU was in the NCAA tournament and they were playing VCU, coached by Shaka Smart, before he moved on to, I think, Texas was, I think, where he went after that. Anyway, anyway KU was heavily favored. I think it was the, the Elite Eight. And KU was up six to nothing. This is when they had the Morris twins, Tyshawn Taylor. They were, they were loaded. Thomas Robinson. Before they knew it, boom, they were down something, it was something like 22 to eight. They were shell shocked. And then, second half, they cut it down to one point. Then VCU sank three three pointers in a row in, in a couple of minutes, and boom, the game was over. And afterwards, I remember hearing the players talk about they weren't ready for that. They just weren't ready for that. And Bill Self himself even came out and said, "You know, I, I've got to do a better job preparing my my players." You know, he took responsibility for it. And of course, KU won the national championship a few years later from that. I think learning from that made him uh, a much, not that he isn't a great coach anyway, made him a better coach. But there's there's a situation where when things don't go right, it's how you get better from it. All right, no one's called in. I'd love to hear from you. I know, I know there are people listening right now. Like, ah, yeah, I don't want to call him and talk to him. I'm embarrassed. Well, don't be embarrassed. If you've choked under pressure, why did it happen? And were you able to get better? I know when I played high school tennis, that that's probably one of the reasons I'm a sports psychologist. I choked a lot because I'd always think about, I need to win, I need to win, I need to win. And then I'd start getting tight. And that was one of the reasons I I failed. All right, our phone number here is 913-3810-810. If you have let pressure get to you, you've let the numbers, the score get to you. Why? Because you're overthinking. And when you overthink, then everything falls apart. Our number is 913-3810-810. We're going to go to a break here. I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach or you're an athlete. If this has happened to you before, why did it happen? And did you overcome it? If you've coached, if you've had a team that fell apart under pressure, the pressure got to them for whatever reason, as a coach, how do you teach them to get better? That's another question I want to throw out there to you. How do you get your team to improve on that, learn from that, grow from that, overcome it? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Our phone number here is 913-3810-810. Love to hear from you. Give me a call and let's talk. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. This is the Sports Psychology Hour, and I'm here every Sunday morning from 7 to 8. We talk about the mental side of sports on this show. I'm in my 43rd year of work and been on the radio 32 years, last 22 here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And today's topic is choking. Have you choked under pressure? Why have you done it? Did you overcome it or not? And let's go to the phones. Let's talk to Ed. Ed, good morning, Dr. Jacobs. How you doing? 
Morning, Dr. Jacobs. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. What would you like to share with us? Well, I'm 70 years old, and I've played sports my entire life. Well, you're a young man. You're a young man, Ed. Yeah, yeah. So I have lots of experiences to share, (laughs) and more often than I would like to admit that I choked at at a big point in my life. But I played baseball, football, basketball, wrestling, track, rugby at Kick State. Um, but in my later years, I've settled in a different kind of competition. I trained bird dogs as a hobby. I'm and sorry, you do what? Say that again. I, I trained bird dogs as a hobby. Trained bird dogs. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Okay, go ahead. And I, and I raise roses. So my two passions in life are raising roses, and, and I compete in both of those uh, elements. But one of the ones, um, it's called Bird Hunters United, and we were at Nationals. And this is uh, pointing dogs up and game dogs where you've actually, it's a timed event where you, you there's bird, three birds in a 10-acre field, and you start the clock, and and then you point, shoot, and retrieve the three birds, and then you get done with the fastest bird completing that cycle wins. Wow, that's interesting. I've never heard of that before. That's very interesting. Yeah, well, I knew it would be an unusual call for, for your listeners, but there's a lot of bird dog circuits out there that guys, uh, actually it's a hunting circuit that are timed events, and the quickest you can get your bird's claim, uh, pointed shot in the tree, you're going to win. But I was at Nationals down in Independence, Kansas at the Remington Ranch oh, about four years ago. And you, you put two fields together, you do two separate runs, and so it's a total of six birds. And I'm on my sixth bird, and I'm leading this pack by oh, a good couple of minutes, which is huge. That's a huge margin. And I'm on my sixth bird, and my dog's on point, and the chucker flies, and I choke. I miss the bird. And in, in this game, if you shoot twice, you... You will never win because the penalty is so severe. Like a normal time to get to three birds, point and shot and retrieve is about three and a half minutes if you're going to compete, if you're going to be competitive. Well, if you miss a bird and you shoot it the second time, it's a three-minute penalty. So you absolutely will not win if you have to shoot twice. So it's incumbent upon the gunner to be a good shooter as well as the dog to be you know, obedient and well. And I'm on my sixth bird, and bird just gets up, probably the easiest shot of the day, and I miss it. And I shot it on my second time, but then I lost by about 30 seconds. But the feeling of knowing I had a national championship in in my sights and my grasp, and all of a sudden I go from literally a national champion to about probably 15th or 16th place, something like that. And the gut-wrenching feeling, Doc, and you know, and I know your listeners know, too, it's just, it's horrible. It's horrible. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it, to put it bluntly, it totally sucks when that happens. It totally, totally. And, and the whole, the gallery's watching, and all i got to do is have, like, a, you know, three or four or five-minute run, and I was at about a two-and-a-half-minute mark, and I missed the bird. Why, why so, do you think so that it, happened? Why do you think that happened? You no, know, that's a great question, Doc. Um, I, it was lack of focus, and I was, I was so nervous. And I've been in national, I've been in national championships before, and not choked. 
But this one, I wanted this one so bad because we were doing some really great competitors. That's why. I wanted it, I wanted it so, I just, I could taste it. I could taste the thrill of victory, but ended up with the agony of defeat. That, but Ed, I think that's why you were, you were thinking so much about winning this. You were focusing on, on winning it instead of focusing on just, just the it's shot. The task at hand. Yeah, the one shot at a time. And I do shoot a lot of ski. Because uh, what I learned about myself is my mental preparation and, and also the physical presentation. So in, in terms of this, is just learning to shoot better. Uh, I'm, I shoot right-handed. Unfortunately, I'm left-eye dominant, so it, it causes issues with the shooting. But after that incident that was in February of oh, three or four years ago, I went to the outstanding shooter out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, Minneapolis, um, Scott Lambert, and I went up there for a lesson, and, and he really, really helped me. He's exactly what you're saying is spot on. It's the mental preparation, knowing going up to the line with shooting the ski, knowing and focus on that one target at a time. Not that you're going to shoot 100 out of 100, it's one shot at a time. Well, and, and if I can interject here, that's that's exactly right. And it's focusing on executing that shot and not thinking about the next shot or the last shot, focusing on what you're doing at that moment. You know, that's why I, th- I think I've shared on this show, you know, you listen to great athletes who perform under pressure and they will tell you, it's because their focus and concentration was on their effort and execution at that moment, not on the result. You know, Doc, and it's hard to do. No, I didn't. Uh, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's it, easy. But if you, if the guy or gal would just focus on, you know, that one target or whatever the game may be, it might be the final pitch of the game or something or the final touchdown, you just you got to focus on that whatever it is right in the moment at the time and not. I was thinking of national championship, standing up on the stage, getting my big trophy. Ed Holland was going to be this and this and this, and boom, I miss it. And just well, yeah, Ed, Ed let me give you, yeah, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example that that maybe you, you can relate to. So Joe Carter's been on the show before, and Joe, if if you you're a baseball fan, everybody knows who he is. He hit the game winning home run for the fan. yeah, he hit the game winning home run for the Blue Jays. Back in 1993, it's the bottom of the ninth inning in Toronto. Toronto's winning. I, I believe they're playing the Mets. I can't recall exactly, but they were up three uh, three games to two. It, but it's the bottom of the ninth. They're losing five to three. There are two guys on base, and Joe is in the on deck circle, and he's sitting there looking at everything. And, and he wasn't thinking, "Oh my gosh, I've got to hit a home run or got to get a hit." He said he was looking around at the crowd and he's like man everybody is so happy here they're having a great time this is exactly what i dreamt about when i was a kid it's it's wow this is awesome i've been i've already been here in my mind i'm just going to go out and swing the bat if i get a hit i get a hit if i don't i don't and boom oh two count rocket in the left field home run blue jays win the world series very cool yeah and it and i mean I mean, how much more pressure can that be? It's the World Series. I mean, really? Yeah, but it's it's you know it's it's like Harrison Bucker kicking the Chiefs' game-winning field goal in the Super Bowl last year. It, it's focusing on your execution, and which well, afterward, you, you know, it's easier said than done. We both we all know that. Is there a routine that an athlete should 
kind of go through mentally to prepare themselves for that, that big moment in, in time when you've got a national championship on their hand. And there's some sequence of mental exercises that you should work on. Well, that's a great question, Ed. Yeah, and, and so that's where visualization comes in. And what I always emphasize and talk to people about, and I have on my website relaxation visualization exercises people can purchase that help you with this. But going through and visualizing yourself in these situations before you compete, whatever your sport, whatever the situation, visualize what's going to happen when I'm in this situation, what I need to be thinking about. Your, and and I, I talk, and I mentioned earlier, Ed, foe fo versus four, FOE versus FOR. Focus on your effort and execution instead of focusing on results. So it's like, all right, you're out there to shoot, you know, take that shot, you know, work on, you know, your visualization, your breathing, executing and going from there, what I do to make the shot, rather than if I make this shot and hit it, we win. It's how do I focus on executing the shot, whatever it might be. And that's where, that's where on my exercises, I teach people, it's a breathing exercise, then a muscle tightening, loosening exercise, a confidence building section, a visualization section. And I've used these for years throughout my practice, 43 years of work, and they, and they work if people get themselves in that mindset of just relaxing and visualizing. And I think that's where, you know, you prepare, but you also prepare if I start to get tense, if I start to get nervous, take a step back, relax, breathe, visualize, and go. One of the worst things you can start doing is thinking and thinking too much, because if you overthink, then you're you're in trouble. <laughs> you know, that's what my grandma my coach was telling you know, let your brain and your eyes do your work for you, and don't try to overthink, because when you overthink the situation, then you become too careful instead of, they call it instinct shooting. Right. You, know, you bring the gun up when it hits the cheek, your, your, your eyes and your brain are already mentally telling you what how much lead that you need to kill that target, because it's a moving target. But then, well, my issue is then my brain gets in my freaking way and I start thinking too much then I miss right and but what I what does what does help me is because I do practice quite a bit and I and I try to go back to my training and what does it feel like mentally and physically to feel like when you're kind of in that groove and you're feeling good you're seeing the target you bring the gun up you shoot and then and it breaks it breaks every time well, you need to visual. That's one of the things with visualization. Picture yourself in that situation. How am I going to feel mentally, physically, emotionally, and how am I going to, you know, challenge myself to to focus on executing? Because if you let your, you know, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the Chiefs uh, kicker Len Elliott back in the '90s when he missed all those field goals in the playoffs. Oh, afterwards, God, he was, I remember that. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, most of us do who, who were there watching on TV. You know, afterwards he was interviewed. And like I said, he said, "I was trying not to be negative." So when you're trying not to be negative, what are you being? Negative. Yeah. So he actually visualized himself screwing up, and he did a good job of that. And that's that's the that's the key thing is, you know, if you start to – your mind is so powerful. You know, you can – I always like to say you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will come out on top. And having a stronger mind, to me, Ed, is about preparation – and visualizing success and failure, how you deal with both. And the great athletes, you know, like you know, like I said with Patrick Mahomes when the Chiefs played the Texans in the playoffs a few years ago, down twenty four zip into the first quarter, boom, it's twenty seven twenty four halftime. Chiefs, right. because 
his focus, and this is well documented afterwards, he talked about executing the next play, the next play, the next play. Same thing with Tom Brady in the Super Bowl against the Falcons. They were, they were I can't remember what the score was at halftime, but the Falcons were killing him, and the Patriots won in overtime because the next play, the next play, the next play, that, that whole mindset. And I, you know, that so for you, it's the next shot, the next shot, the next shot. Yeah, it's it's amazing what the, what, what what power that the mind has over what you're doing at, at the at the moment. But I, I still struggle to this day with missing birds and missing play targets. And well, you're you're, you're human, Ed. You're going to miss some. It's the key yeah, thing is know, the, it's, it's the next one though. Me crazy. Well. Yes. Yeah, but if you you have to challenge yourself, see that's where what I would suggest to you is, and this is what I work with people on. In that situation, you need to go through yourself mentally. Okay, if I miss if I miss a shot, how am I going to come back in the next one? How do I get myself to refocus, visualize, and go from there? And that's that's the difference oftentimes between success and failure. Right. So I'd work on that, and if I can be of any help to you, feel free to get a hold of me. But I really. Okay. Listen, I appreciate your call, sir, and uh, good luck with it. Well, I love your show, and uh, I get a lot of lot of positive thoughts about it, and I appreciate you bringing a wealth of information to us little guys that <laughs> keep screwing up. Well, sure thing, sir. Listen, good luck to you, and uh, take care of yourself. Thanks for your call. appreciate okay. it. Thanks, Doc. I appreciate it. Bye. All right, that frees up our lines here at 913-388-1010. You know, as I mentioned, choking... It, there's no other way to put it, but it just totally sucks. It just sucks when you when you choke. Nobody likes to choke. Right, Cavell? You didn't like it. No, and I'm Mr. Clutch. Yeah, you are. That's what you keep telling me. Um, you're here. You're here on time. I'm here on time. Everybody, so you are Mr. Clutch. I am Mr. Because I've had many people not show up to do the show who are in your seat. All right, so preparation, focus, attitude, confidence. I was asking, you know, what are the keys? Mental, physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual preparation. How do you get ready? Prepare for success and failure. Focus is about concentrating on the moment, but being prepared for the distractions that can get in the way. There are three kinds of attitudes, positive, negative, and realistic. I talk about a positive, realistic attitude. That will get you to hopefully overcome the negatives. And then that all comes down to confidence, the foundation of everything. Working on your confidence, the ability to believe in yourself and your skills, but be prepared for success and failure and how you move on. You know, I always tell people when you're driving your car, where you're looking out the front windshield, not the rear view mirror. Keep looking ahead. That's what kind of get, that's what's going to give you the opportunity to succeed. I want to thank everybody for listening today. I appreciate the call from Ed. That was a great call. You can always get a hold of me at my office, which is 816-561-5556. My website is winnersunlimited.com. If you're interested in those visualization exercises, click on the store tab, and uh, you'll see them all pop up there. You can send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Have a great week. Take care. Be safe. We'll talk to you next Sunday here in the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB.